All right. Anybody ready for the word of the Lord? Amen. Amen. Can y'all welcome Hannah as she comes forth? Romans 12, verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Romanos capítulo 12, versículo 1. Así que, hermanos, os ruego por las misericordias de Dios que presentáis vuestros cuerpos en sacrificio vivo, santo, agradable a Dios, que es vuestro culto racional. Amén. Amén. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning, for the opportunity we get as a church to gather as brothers and sisters. And that alone reminds us of the cross, because it is the cross that has created a brand new family. And this family um, is not something, God, that we should take lightly, but something that we should cherish as we walk in this world. Lord, uh, we pray that your word will prove once again to be effective, filled with potency, and able to transform and establish your will in our lives and in our community and in our church. Have your way in this place, we ask. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody say it. It was asked on Facebook this week, would you go to jail for your children? Now, some of y'all are like, I don't know about that, boy. I ain't going to jail for nobody. And some of y'all are like, my baby. <laughs> yes, Lord. This question was prompted and was asked because of a hit TV show called Power. Don't y'all get churchy on me. Y'all know what I'm talking about. The entire world has been watching and wondering the answer to the question, who shot Ghost? Ghost, the drug dealer who became the running lieutenant governor. Well, last episode revealed the answer to that question. Ghost's own son took him out. And Tasha, the ex-wife of Ghost, goes to jail for a crime that her son committed. Thank you. <laughs> what is revealed in the end from both Ghost and Tasha is all they wanted for their son is for him to do something good with the sacrifices they made for him. All Tasha wants is for her son to do something good with his life as she pays the price for his crime. Her only request is not that her son pays her back, but that he makes her proud. Not that he pays her back, but that he makes her proud. All Ghost wants as he leaves his son with everything, things he paid for, is to make something good out of the sacrifices. This is the desire of every parent. We sacrifice so that our children can have a better life than us. We give up our dreams sometimes. We give up our goals sometimes. We, we bust our butt on a nine to five just so that they can have a better life than some of us. And this is what she does. And we would never ask for them to pay us back. But instead, 
make us proud by making something out of the sacrifices we gave. Our only desire is that they don't trample on our sacrifice by ruining their life. And the kids that take the sacrifice serious do something to please their parents. Did you know you can please God? Did you know that you can please God? Did you know that you could disappoint God? Did you know you could make your heavenly father a proud dad? Or a sad dad? But how do you make God proud? How do you live a life that he paid for in a way that pleases him? Listen, God will never ask you, let me be clear right out of the gate. God will never ask you to pay him back for what he did on Calvary. If anyone tells you that, you need to leave their church and you need to run as fast as you can. That's heresy. Let me tell you why God will never ask you to pay him back. Let me tell you why he'll never ask you to pay him back. Because it's impossible for you to pay him back. Try as you may. All you want, you'll never have enough coins, not even enough bitcoins, to pay God back for what he did on the cross because Jesus is invaluable. He is eternal. You can't put a tag on Jesus. You can't put a price on him. Nothing made him. Nothing can put a value on him. He's outside of time. He's outside of creation. And so when you try to measure his value, you cannot measure it because there's not enough numbers in the universe to calculate the worth of Jesus and God gave him up for you. And the part of that sentence you should have shouted on was you. Because there ain't no way in the world God should have gave anything for you. But I want to be clear that we are totally justified. That there's nothing left for us to pay. That our guilt and our shame and our sin has been paid in full by the blood of Jesus Christ. I don't want anybody walking out of here thinking that what I'm preaching is saying that you need to make God proud so that he will love you. That's not what I'm saying. If you walk out of here with that, you miss the whole point. We're totally accepted. Because God went to jail for us like Tasha did for her son. She paid the price. Is this not what we have learned in the book of Romans, church? Paul has shown us that all men are sinners separated from God and under his wrath, Romans 1 through 3. But Jesus took the wrath for us, took our charges by dying for our sins. That's what he did. God left heaven, came down 42 generations, walked on water, healed the blind, was talked about, spit on, mocked, then crucified, buried, then resurrected for our justification, giving us power over death, hell, in Satan. Our father paid it all. What a good father. Paid it all. But he didn't just pay it for no reason. He paid it all so that we can live the good life. He paid it all so that you and I can live the good 
life. And that's dope to me. Because what child wants to be indifferent to the sacrifices of their parents if they love their parents? So, Pastor, how do we please our Heavenly Father? For Ghost and Tasha, it was Tariq going to college. But for God, it is different. And Paul tells us. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices. Is it okay that I feel like preaching this morning? <laughs> to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. There are three words you need to know. We need to go to school really fast. Theology, doxology, and sociology. If you have been with us in our journey in Romans, Paul has given us very deep, rich theology. Theology, simply put, is the study of God. That's all theology is. It's the study of God. We studied for 11 chapters as a church what God has done for us in order to save us. And Paul, if you remember, if you recall, Paul closes chapter 11 with the only proper response to theology, which is doxology. Out of theology, out to flow, once we get a grasp on our theology, our right view of God, when we behold him the way that he is, when we understand with the depth of our souls the, the breathtaking reality of who God is, doxology ought to flow out of your theology. And if doxology is not flowing out of your theology, there's something wrong with your theology. Because doxology is praise to God. And when you see God as you ought to see God, something happens up in here. Something right up in this area right here. You don't really think about it. You don't really make a decision. That's not what happened. Something, something happened. As if it's the reflex of the soul. It's, it's like, fellas, when you see a pretty lady. You don't say, does she look good? You say, ooh, she fine. That's the reflex of the soul. When we see God, the reflex of the soul is, man, he's worthy of all my praises. Man, he's worthy of all my worship. Some people in the Bible, they fell down to their knees, prostrate on the floor as if they were dead. I'm telling you guys, the God that we're dealing with, when you see him rightly, maybe the issue is, is we lost all of God. Maybe we're not impressed by him anymore because our iPhones have numbed us because Androids wouldn't do that. But the iPhone... I'm oh, bad, my bad, pow, right in the mouth. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do it, but it was there, y'all. I had to hit y'all. Bam, I can't left field with it. Deal with it. Um, <laughs> so we go theology, which is understanding of God. Then that theology goes down into the heart, results in doxology, which is praise to God. And then that doxology goes into these hands, into these feet which is what I'm calling sociology, which is, in this case, Christian living. Because it ain't enough for you to know a bunch about God and to sing his praises and live like you don't know him. 
They all go together. You cannot separate them. That is a false dichotomy. They all go together. Theology, doxology, doxology and sociology all go together. And this is what happens to the Christian. And man, I pray that our doxology and our theology ends up in action. So theology, doxology, sociology, all necessary together to please God. And today we focus on sociology, Christian living. My first point is you need to give your life to God. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifice. I'm going to take this verse and I'm going and, and to do it backwards. I'm going to flip it. Paul now is, is taking us past the Christian games. He's taking us past just coming to church. And by the way, the clock in the back is off, so I got all day. Um, it hasn't been moving. It's been 1036. God didn't stood time still. Go ahead, preacher. God will give you the desires of your heart. Come on, somebody. Paul now is taking us past the Christian games. He's taking us past just coming to church. He's taking us past just saying prayer at dinner time. He's taking us past just nodding our head to the man upstairs. You know how we do, the man upstairs. What's up? He's taking us past reading our, just reading our Bibles, past knowing, past knowing what God has done. You know, you know God and, and what he has done, but, 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 but Paul says, now what, Christian? Now what? Stand on your two feet. Now, now that you know what God has done, now that you know that God is Savior, now what? He wants us to take this Christian life harder than Kobe did basketball. Kobe was dedicated to basketball. He didn't just have a high IQ, but he actually played the game. Most people say that Kobe Bryant was the last one to leave the gym. He sacrificed everything to be the best player he could be. We knew Kobe was dedicated to basketball because he sacrificed so much for it. Sacrifice and dedication goes together. When you're dedicated to something, you sacrifice things for it. Paul similarly, similarly wants us to be dedicated to the Christian life. So what does Paul do, this clever theologian, this, this, this apostle, what does he do? Paul uses the word sacrifice to get his point across. What is he doing? He's drawing from the Old Testament Levitical sacrificial system in the tabernacle in the temple. And then you got to understand something. At the center of worship in the Jewish temple was the altar. There on the altar, the priest would place an animal on there, a sheep, a cow, a goat. And they would sacrifice and burn the body parts of that animal. These were offerings given by the people to God according to the laws God established through Moses. And here's a picture of it. The altar in the center. And now Paul says, watch, you see the picture, animal sacrifice. And Paul says, I want you to be like those animals. Don't leave. But I don't want you to be a dead sacrifice. I want you to be a living one. I don't want you to be a dead sacrifice. I want you to be a living one. 
What in the world are you talking about, Paul? God is calling on us to present all that we have, all that we have and ever will be to him for his glory and for his use. Let me say it again. God wants you to present everything that you have to him for his purposes and for his glory. Christianity is no heart is not a half-hearted religion. God's not asking for part of you. God wants every drop of you. Yeah, and just want you just throwing your little five dollars in there when the offering plate coming around. So that you can quiet your conscience that you did something for him so you can do what you want to do for the rest of the week. Not impressed. God's like, keep your five dollars. Plus, you're gonna get more to the nail shop anyways. God wants more. Get the picture, church. Living sacrifice. That stuff that doesn't sound pretty. Living sacrifice. Could have said like living king or something. You feel me? But he didn't say that. But he says, and he uses the word present. And this word is key in this text. It means to place at one's disposal. It means that we are no longer holding anything back from God. But we have placed our all on his altar and we are at his disposal. God, use me the way you want to use me. I hold not to my life any longer. Do what you want to do with this life. This is what Paul is saying. Give God everything that you have to his disposal, open-handed. The idea here is a total surrender to God. Far too many people want to be saved, but they are not willing to lay everything on the altar. Come on, y'all know how we are. Y'all, y'all, come on. Mm. Y'all know how we are. Yeah, God, I'm going I'm to do this church thing. I'm going to do it. Man. There's a few things I ain't giving up. I ain't giving up the, 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 the uh, Coke and Hennessy. Not going to do it. Not, nope. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not giving up uh, fornication. Not going to do it. Nope. 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 I don't know how y'all do it anyways. I'm not going to do it, God. I'm not going to give it up. I'm not going to clear my schedule for you, God. I'm not. No, I'm not going to do it. Lord, I love you. Yes, I do. I think you're the greatest thing that ever happened to me. But there are just certain things that we just keep right here in the back because we don't want to give everything over to God. I'm not giving you every cuss word, God. Okay. <laughs> Lord, I got some people in my life, God, that I need. I got to say this cuss word right here. I give you the F word. I give you the D word. But I ain't giving you this S word. I'm holding on to this S word. Y'all ain't going to talk to me. It's all good. I got one cuss word I've been saving for this one coworker. After Friday, I'll give it to you, but I'm going to use it. Oh, they're going to get all of it. They started making up words. I got, I give you that word. I make up words. Burger flicker. That ain't even a word. <laughs> ain't a cuss word, though. God ain't a cuss word. Uh, <laughs> all right, bring it in. <laughs> but we be, we be holding on to stuff for real, y'all. Like I ain't giving, I ain't giving up this girlfriend. I know she's not good for me and toxic. But God, I, I could change her. 
because after she smell this cologne, it ain't even spiritual, the stuff we say. After she get a whiff of this holy cologne. <laughs> Let me move on. But we manage very well what we want to give to God. We're very calculated. But God wants it all. He wants your diet. He wants your leisure. He wants your sex life. He wants your money. He wants your time. He wants your talent. He wants your children. He wants your house. He wants your car. He wants it all at his disposal. Nothing is off limits to him. And for crying out loud, he gave it all to you. You don't own none of it. Why we hold on to stuff I don't know? Can't take nothing with you. How much better would we steward our singleness if we gave it over to God? What would happen to our marriages if we gave it over to God? What would happen to our friendships if we gave it over to God? What would happen to our work life if we gave it over to God? What would happen to our stress if we, yes, he wants your sin, give it over to him. What would happen to your depression if you gave it over to God? What would happen to your life if you gave it all over to God, but let me help you because maybe you're confused with what it looks like to give your life over to God. Y'all got to pray for me. God be preaching to me. I just be trying to chill. I just be trying to hang. Here it is. This week, I was in the gym. I was watching Ken and the CLC boys play football. I walk in the gym. Y'all, I don't know nothing about football, but I'm just observing. I come in. Me and Ken is having a conversation. I see Jax with the football. Jax is the quarterback. Jack is throwing the football ball up and down the court. I go over there, talk to Ken. Ken is on this walkie-talkie. He's talking to Jax. Jax has an earpiece in his ear. And what Jax is playing out is everything that the offensive coordinator is telling him. It looks like Jax is doing his own thing, but Jax is not doing his own thing. He's living out the plans of his father behind him. And what I'm trying to say is you got to get God up in your head and God up in your life. So that you're living out his plans. You got to get the word down inside of you. Now here's the crazy part. Jax is a living, breathing human being. Jax could throw the football how he wants to throw the football. But when the quarterback does what he wants to do, it usually results in an interception. But Jax knows better than that. He knows that his father's plans are better than his plan, that his father's will is higher than his will. And so he submits himself to the plans of his father because his father has read the entire field. We have got to submit to the offensive coordinator. But the issue is that we took our earpiece out of our ear. You know how it goes, right? You start feeling good about yourself. Yeah. Ooh, get a little swag, get a little sauce. Feeling good. Next thing you know, you ain't praying no more. Next thing you know, you ain't in your word no more. And you keep getting interceptions and you don't know why. You took the earpiece out of your ear. You started to make your own plans. 
and you start to do things your own way. But Paul says, no, 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 no. Don't do that, child of God. Give your life in totality over to God. Now, we may ask the reasonable question, why would God think that he can control every aspect of our lives? Why does God think that he can control every aspect of my life? God has the unmitigated gall to ask me to give my life as a living sacrifice. And Paul tells us why we should. He starts with, I appeal to you, therefore. What we learn in school is what is therefore, therefore. Only one person knew that one. That's all right. Basically, Paul is saying, based on all I have said so far, based on all the theology I've given you, I want you to do this. What, what is Paul doing here? If you've been to college, uh, you have lecture and you have lab. The lab is where you actually go to see if what you learned in lecture works. Lab is the hands-on. Lab is where you get to see if you understood the lecture. Welcome to the lecture, church. Every week, I lecture every week. And here's the issue. A lot of us want to do go to lab without going to lecture. And if you don't go to lecture, you're going to get lab wrong. Okay, maybe you haven't been to college. Let me take it back to power. Canaan taught ghosts and Tommy the streets. He gave them the street knowledge, and then they took the street knowledge to the streets. Lecture and lab. It all works, see? It doesn't matter. It's the same thing. Street knowledge, street hood, it all go together. And so they take the knowledge, and they go and apply it. But you cannot apply And you cannot live for God if you do not know God. The motivation for doing the Christian life is going to be undergirded by your theology. And if you do not know what God has done for you, you will not live for him because you will not conclude that he's worthy of having all of you. And so I want to remind you this morning, I want to give you a foundation for your Christian living because this is what Paul does. Before he gets through Romans 12 and the rest of Romans, he reminds us of why we ought to live for God. Do you want to live for God? I want to live for God, and I need motivation that will help me to do it, because when I leave here, there's 10,000 things that will be pulling on my emotions and my affections to live for them. And so this is what he says. Why should we give our life to God? Paul appeals to what we have learned in lecture to stir us on in lab. He appeals to street knowledge we got in the trap house or the warehouse, and he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. That's loaded right there. You could have said amen. You should have clapped. You should have shouted right there. He appeals to you on the basis of the mercies of God. Paul says, if you're having a hard time giving your life to God, don't forget he gave his life for you. Paul says, if you're struggling with this thing. If you have in conflict with giving your life over to God, let me remind you 
that he gave his life for you. Here's the crazy part. Grace wasn't cheap. So your sacrifice shouldn't be cheap. It amazes me that Paul didn't say you need to live for God because he is God, which would have been accurate. Everybody should live for God because he's God. Well, Paul doesn't do that. God, Paul goes the relational route. This is fitting because God doesn't make his children submit out of fear of him. God wants us to follow him out of love. You want your children to follow you out of love. He wants us to give our lives to him because he understands he gave his life for us. Nobody wants to spank their children into obedience. That's not what we want. Well, maybe some of y'all. But that's not what we want. Doesn't it feel good? When your kids just do what they're supposed to do. I know some of y'all ain't seen that in a long time. But doesn't it feel good when you ain't got to discipline them to get them to do what you want them to do? But that when you come home, the kitchen's already clean. The room is already together, and you just shout to God in praise because he's been answering your prayers. And you say, God, I know that you're on my side because this child that I got here do not listen to me. But all of a sudden, they're doing what they're supposed to do, and something wells up on the inside of you. And you say, that's my daughter. That's my son. I'm proud of you. But you hate when you got to whoop them to get them to do what they need to do. And if they knew the depths in which you love them, they would do what they're supposed to do. And Paul says, I want you to get the love that God has for you so that you'll do what you're supposed to do. And you'll do it because you know that what he asks you to do is good for you when you understand what he did for you. There was a TV show long time ago, way, way back in the day, not that far back. It was called Pimp My Ride. Anybody remember Pimp My Ride? Y'all remember that? I, I was hoping they came and got my white van one day. It's gone now, y'all. It's been gone. It's buried. It's in the, it's in the junk, y'all. I wish they would have came and got that thing before it went out. <laughs> but the guy who used to do it, his name was, y'all remember his name? Exhibit. Exhibit would come to your crib. He would surprise you, and he'll come, and they would do what to your car? They would pimp your Right. And when he came to the people's house and, and he showed up, ding dong, here it is with the braids. That's why I got my braids. Thanks, Exhibit. And so he shows up, he shows up, and he knocks on the door. The people answer the door, and he says, I'm here to pimp your ride. And when, when he did that, they melted. You should have seen them. Tears start coming down their eyes, and then they all messed up. But here's the crazy part. By the time Exhibit gets done with their ride and he brings it back to them, some people used to say this. And tears in their eyes. How can I repay you? What's happening? They remember what their car used to be. And they see the mercy that Exhibit has shown them. And because he showed them so great mercy, 
And their car has been so transformed that when they drive, it don't make the noises that they used to make. It don't stop like it used to stop. It gets them to where they got to go. The only response in your soul is some sense of gratitude. And when you got gratitude, you got the right attitude. And when you got the right attitude, you want to do something different. You want to somehow show your appreciation to the one who took you from what you used to be to what you ain't no more. I wish I had a church this morning that knew that you were just like those broke down cars. You used to stop on the side of the road. You were all messed up. You were on your way to the junkyard. And God showed up knocking on your door. I got some blood that you need. I'm going to pay to change your life. And when he changed my life, I had to give him the glory. I'm just going to preach this thing because God has been good to me. I was a messed up, jacked up sinner. I was on my way to hell. And he showed up. He knocked on my door and said, you've been making noise. People said that you had no value. But I showed up. And I want to remodel your life. I want to change your life. And good God Almighty, he changed my life. And so that when my friends see me, they see I ain't the same ride that I used to be. I don't make the same noise that I used to make. I've been getting an A and I've been getting a B. But it ain't because of me. It's because of him. And when you understand that who you are, it's because oh, I wish I had a church that was with me this morning. Some people know about grace this morning. That grace showed up at your door. Y'all want to be cute. That's all right. I'll, I'll worship him myself. But some of you know that you were on the side of the road. You were messed up. In fact, God couldn't even get to your house because you didn't make it to your house. But I'm so glad that though you missed the appointment, he found you on the Damascus Road. You had scale. You couldn't see. He knocked you off your horse. He shined light into your heart. He gave Gave you a new one, and you're not the same person you used to be. Come on, exhibit, pimp my ride. God has changed you. Oh, and I've been changed ever since. You asked me why I don't sing the same songs. I used to sing. You ask me, how do I make it through the pain? You, you ask me how I found worth for myself. You ask me why I'm still standing. Y'all don't know it, but I'm going to let y'all in on it. Every now and then, I come up in this church building when it's empty. I sit in the back, and I just think about God. You took a young man, and you used him to preach your gospel, and you used him to pastor your church, and I feel unworthy. And sometimes I say, that I don't deserve it. But God reminds me it's not according to your goodness, Dexter Harris, but it's according to your mercy. It's according to my goodness. And I'm so thankful that the God that I serve loves me even when I don't love myself. And he loves me even when I'm not worthy. And he loves me even when I'm not faithful. And he loves me even when I don't get it right. And he loves me even when I miss the mark. That he loves me when my mind goes crazy. That he loves me when I don't know my way. That he loves me when I've lost the way. The Bible says that he's a way maker. 
miracle worker, light in the darkness. There's some folks that's been lost in this place, but God found you. He washed you up. He cleaned you up. And now all of a sudden, you're bigger. You're better. You should have been dead. Marvin Sapp said, I never would have made it. How many people know that you never would have made it? Not only did he give you one chance, he gave you two chances. Not only did he give you two, he gave you three. He gave you four. When I call your number, just stand to your feet. He gave you five. He gave you six. Heck, he gave you a thousand. Some of y'all, he gave a million. But this is why Paul says, I appeal to you on the mercies of God. Not on your works, not on your goodness, but I appeal to you on the mercies of God. I see some of you still not knocked off your feet. Let me give it to you like this all week long. People been standing up brooms in the middle of their kitchen. The whole world has been blown away because they seen a broom standing up in the middle of their kitchen floor. And it's been going around. Yeah, some of y'all didn't caught the broom fever. That you knocked off your feet that the broom is standing in the middle of the floor. If the world can get excited about a broom standing in the middle of the floor, you ought to get excited that you're still standing on your feet right now. That's the real miracle. Not the broom, but you. You should have been knocked down a long time ago, but God stood you up. And everybody's wondering how you standing up. You just tell them there's a wooden broom called the cross of Jesus Christ. They put nails in his hands, nails in his feet, a crown of thorns on his head, and they pierce his side. I wish we was a church that never got tired of getting swept off our feet by the gospel of Jesus Christ because he's able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that you have ever asked. And here's the problem. This is what the people of Exodus, the children of Exodus miss. God is raining manna out of heaven. He's raining quail out of heaven. Quail is coming down. The manna is coming down. All of a sudden, the Bible has a little phrase that they grumbled and complained at God. One can only wonder, God, why are they complaining at you when you've been so good to them? Why are they complaining to you when you've been so faithful to them? Why are they complaining to you when you spread at the Red Sea? Why are they complaining to you when you sent locusts? Why are they complaining to you when, when you delivered? them from their oppressor? Why are they complaining to you? I think that they're complaining, God, because they forgot who you were. They forgot how good that you were. And when we forget how good that he is, we begin to complain and grumble about our lives and we begin to turn away from God. But I wish I had a church that knew the goodness of God, not just with words, but that you knew it with your soul. I'm talking about a mercy that wakes you up in the the morning. I'm talking about a mercy that gets you going in the morning. And Paul says that this is your reasonable worship. <laughs> Paul says you ain't doing God a favor. 
<laughs> it's within reason that you worship him. <laughs> In other words, based on what he's done, it's fitting for you to worship him. Now, we got to understand worship because worship is not just singing with your voice. It's part of worship. But, but, but come here, doxology. Come here. Come here, theology. Come here, sociology. God not only wants you to worship him with your knowledge. That's doxology. He doesn't just want you to worship him with your mouth. That's doxology. The first one was theology. The second one, the third one is sociology. God wants you to use your hands and your feet and, and your resources where you say, God, whatever you want to do with this, I give to you. Oh, you don't hear Jesus in your voice? You don't hear Jesus in your mind. He says what? Not my will be done, but your will be done. Jesus is our example. And he came into the world and he says, people wanted him to do a whole lot of things. He would say, I came to do the will of my father. I remember one time they were going out to Fridays or Chick-fil-A, and they told Jesus, won't you come on and eat with us? And Jesus says, I got food that y'all don't know about. Yeah, yeah. Jesus, what's your food? He said, he said, my food is the will of my father. Yeah. Mm, that's a good relationship yeah. right there. Oh, oh, right there. Jesus says that, 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 that my diet, my day-to-day walking is tied up and intertwined with the will of God that I'm not satisfied until I do his will. I wish we woke up in the morning like that. That we're not satisfied until we accomplish the will of our father. That your steady diet, your steady meal is, God, I want to do what you Ask me to do. Okay, pastor, that's good. But you got to get practical because, you know, we don't know how to do that. I'm glad that you asked because it's real simple. Paul is clear all throughout Scripture that the way that we offer up living sacrifices to God is by doing good and loving one another. I didn't got away off my notes. Let me find the Scripture because y'all looking at me like I don't know what I'm talking about. Let me find it. I got it somewhere up here. Where it at? I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God. He uses two conditional words. Holy, the word holy means something concentrated and set apart. God says, first of all, you're going to set yourself apart. And let me just be honest with you, in your own holiness, you ain't got none. Everything that we offer to God got to be through Jesus or it's not acceptable. Jesus concentrated. We move it through Jesus, and then it's acceptable to God. And then here's what Peter says. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house, to a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. I found a scripture, y'all. Here it is. Put it up there. Hebrews 13. Here it is. Here it is. Watch it. Through Jesus Therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. Okay, let me pause right there. A a sacrifice of praise. Sometimes it's hard to worship God. Y'all not going to talk to me this morning. 
I'm preaching better than y'all talking to me. I know y'all holy, filled with the Holy Ghost. Some of y'all have been baptized three, four times. But sometimes, sometimes it is hard to worship God. Sometimes the week is so hard that it's hard to open up your mouth and praise him. But sometimes you got to worship him not because of what he's done, but because of who he is. You offer up a sacrifice, a praise. Then he says, and do not forget to do good. You hear that, Leanne? Don't forget to do good. This is good because, as I said before, God wants more than your tithes and your offering. God wants more than your singing. God wants you to do good. That means open up your eyes, church, and look around you. There's so much good to be done. But if you ain't giving your life to him to worship, you'll never see it. Here's the hard part. Here it comes. And to share with others. We teach this to our kids. Sharing is caring. And some of us can care less. <laughs> Let's just be honest. Some of us, when we look at what we have, some of us can care less. But God says that worship is not just vertical, it's horizontal. That the tangible evidence that you are a worshiper of God is that it will show in your vertical, in your horizontal. Can I ask you a question? Who are you helping in your life? No, for real, like... One day you're going to die and you're going to leave here. Is your Christianity just fake? Did you stop at doxology? Has sociology ever became a part of your life? I'm not saying leave theology and doxology behind, but the sociology. Do you do good for people? Do you help at the church? You get fed here, do you help? You're getting poured into or you're pouring out. Or are you just becoming an overweight Christian? That would be a good sacrifice, by the way. He laughed. <laughs> I love you guys. And I want you to get this. I want you... Grab a hold of Jesus. I don't want you to be just churchgoers. I want to see God use you to your maximum level. But at some point, you got to care about your own spiritual walk. At some point, you got to conclude that you're going to give your life as a living sacrifice to God. At some point, you got to make the decision on what you're going to do with your life. At some point, you got to care and you got to give it over to God. At some point, that's your decision. Your pastor can take you to the water, but I can't make you drink it. Give your life to God. But in the end of the, and when it's all said and done, it's all about him.
The brooms are standing up in the middle of the floor, but so are we. And may we be brooms that sweep through neighborhoods, that sweep through schools, that sweep through jobs with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And may we sweep people off with their feet with the love of God, with the mercy of God, with the goodness of God. And may God be ever praised by what we do to you alone be all the glory, to you alone be all the honor, to you alone be all the worship.